Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome back to a brand spanking new year of the middle, where your lovable and hilarious hosts, Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. In today's episode, we're going to launch our new segment, The Weekly Whinge. Comment on everything we missed out on discussing while we were on our summer hiatus, including Harry and Meg saying, see you bye to Queen Lizzie, Brad and Jen sending the world into a nostalgic meltdown, the bushfire crisis in Australia, and we'll catch you up on what we've both been up to because hashtag miss you. And then just in case you were worried we were going to drop it this year, guess what's back? Guess that celebrity natal chart. <laughs> Everyone's favorite segment. <laughs> <laughs> so Holly, you've got you've got two minutes. I'm gonna set some boundaries on this episode because I feel like we haven't spoken to each other in so long. I know it's been like two months and we've not spoken two words to each other. It's wild. I know it's wild. So I'm gonna give you two minutes um to recap on your January. What have you been up to? Well, here's the thing, it's probably not even gonna take me two minutes oh. for <laughs> January has been a little on the lackluster front for holes. Okay. It's been a really hard month for me, just in like a personal, in the personal realm, I guess. Uh, the transition between Capricorn and Aquarius energy really threw my head around. And so I've actually been laying low a fair bit. I thought that I would have jetted off on a holiday. Um, that said, I did have a weekend away with Trini for our 12-year anniversary, which is lovely. We went and tried all the wine and ate all the food in Mudgee, yeah. which is beautiful. But other than that, Jord, it's been a lot of laying low, lots of what am I doing tears. And really, 2020 for me is just I've hit the ground running in the personal development stakes, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I look, I think January pretty much every year is a, is a, is a funny mix of energy because it's like, there's a lot going on, so you f- it feels very fast-paced, but at the same time, there's not a lot of growth and momentum that's happening. And I think people can get really frustrated because you come into a new year and you're like, yeah, this is the year, you know, I make it happen or things are different or I make changes or I do things differently. And sometimes it just takes a little while, you know, and that's okay. I think that's what it is, Jordan. I also do feel there was this extra pressure of it being a new decade and everyone's like, 2020, this is it. And with that, obviously, we talk about polarity all the time, but it's okay. We've got to shed a little bit more now because there's a whole collective decade of energy we're calling in. So I've just been sitting in that space. Yeah, how about you? Two minutes, go. <laughs> Two I'm timing you. Uh, I don't have much to say either. Um, I've been on my book deadline and um, – it's been less than an easeful experience. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's really all I have to say about it. It's been days of writing and then days of not being able to write and then days of frustration and then days of rest and then 
days of trying to write again. And then, so yeah, it's been interesting. I've also felt a little stuck in January. I don't think it's unusual. I had a very quiet um, Christmas and New Year, really. Um, Yeah, there was a lot going on. I mean, and we'll talk about it a little bit further into the episode, but with everything going on with the bushfires and my family was right in the middle of it for quite a big chunk of that. It just didn't feel like a time of celebration like it usually does. And it was quite contrast being up in Byron. It was very sunny and blue skies and we didn't have any smoke and the fires mm. around here dissipated. And it I, it was like this, this overwhelming feeling of guilt that a lot of people were feeling up here in the north as the south was just burning to a crisp. Totally. I think yeah. that collective guilt traveled all across i think the entire country so yeah. i can relate to that too jord for shell yeah for shell but um what is more exciting than our dismal january's is our <laughs> new segment called the weekly whinge um just to give everybody a little bit of a um background on where the weekly whinge came from holly and i <laughs> like to whinge a lot no holly and i um are on Voxer every day. Voxer's a walkie-talkie app for those that don't know. And um, we like to have a whinge. But what we what we find when we have a whinge is rather than sitting in negative emotion, what it enables us to do is actually move through it. Gives totally. it a voice, lets the energy have room to breathe and escape, and then it dissipates and then it's fine. So a problem shared is a problem halved. So you guys all get to listen to us whinge. How excited are you all? You don't have to tell us twice. It's the most exciting segment that's happened to the middle since guess that celebrity made <laughs> All right, so Holly's going to start us off this week. What What is your weekly whinge about, my love? Okay, I'm really happy to have the mic because I've just – this has been on my chest, short and I'm over it. And it is random people that you do not know – giving their two cents about your life that is totally unsolicited and not asked for. Okay. Give us an example. This is what set me off. This week I received an Instagram DM message from someone who clearly follows me, a man, but I have no idea who he is. And it was in response to one of my stories, and this I'm going to read exactly what he wrote. He's never messaged messaged me before. This is what he wrote, guys. Bro, why do you lift your eyebrows so goddamn high when you speak? <laughs> Laughing emoji. <laughs> okay. So I was instantly triggered by that because, number one, mate, don't call me bro. I don't know who you are. And number two, why does it matter to you that my eyebrows move? And do you know what, Jordan? I'd love to say that it didn't affect me, but when I did my stories this morning, I was like, oh, wow, they really do move. I've got such an expressive face. But I think that's beautiful. I mean, imagine if you couldn't move your eyebrows. I know. I think the thing underneath it all that frustrates me, Jordan, is there was nothing constructive in that. No. I'm all for constructive feedback and like even you know constructive criticism to a degree totally it's fine when it's warranted or when there's something valuable in it there was absolutely nothing valuable in that comment and I just don't know number one what he thought I would get from it but number two what did he get from that you know know. I I don't know I feel like 
people like that just want to provoke a response. I actually um, stalked him after he did that to you because <laughs> friends for life. And um, <laughs> Because double Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> investigator. Um, he, he has his profile on private and he doesn't have many followers at all, like not even for a very average person. And no. so it might even be a fake account. You know, like it might not even be the man because it might not even be the man in the profile photo. Can I admit something though? Sure. I stalked him on Facebook. Oh, so you I, found him? Yeah, I found him. He's a real person. He exists. Do, do, you in, have, do you have mutual friends on Facebook? He's in the UK. No, nothing. He doesn't even have many friends on Facebook. It's just I'm sure he follows me for my boobs. Like, <laughs> let's just be real. <laughs> but like... And that's all fine. But why? Why send that message? I was going to reply, hi, insert name here. I do it to piss you off. Is it working? But then I thought, no, Holly. And I literally did delete it. Because I do feel at the end of the day, these people just want some kind of response. Yeah. Okay, I just so don't like it. I guess I guess on a on a wider scale for, pe- for people to be able to relate to what you're whinging about, it's this idea of unsolicited comments and unsolicited advice look it happens to all of my friends who are pregnant they just get like all of this unsolicited advice about being a mother no nobody's asking for it it's just being dished out you know and I get it a lot when I complain about writer's block actually I never complain about writer's block because I don't have writer's block I'm I'm just having a day of not being able to write and people just send me like videos to watch and like it's and it sounds helpful but it's unsolicited i'm not asking for your advice that's such a good point it's all it almost feels like energetically invasive yeah. when even i guess even if the person who is on the sending end has the best intentions it can still feel sometimes a little bit invasive mm. um, but with this this guy in mind in this particular situation there was just nothing and well, it borders on trolling doesn't it well that's what I was about to ask do you think that's trolling like is is that bullying I don't know I think okay so maybe bullying not trolling yes because it wasn't public right yes it's bullying but at the same time it's like it's not like he I I, I get what you're saying I would have been offended too but, like, if you wanted to pick it apart, he's saying, why do you do this? Not, I hate when you do that or you look ugly when you do that or, yeah, you know what I mean? Do you know what it was? I think it was the starting with bro and the ending with laughing emoji. <laughs> if you took those two things out, it would just read, why do you move your eyebrows so much when you speak? That's very different to bro and then laughing at the yeah. end. Yeah, and also, guys, he's not a 12-year-old boy. Like, he'd be in his early 30s, I reckon. He's actually... Physically, he's quite attractive. Man. I know. I was like, like is he single? Oh, no, it's actually <laughs> annoying. It's like, guess his natal chart. I mean, I'm not even going to go there because I'm going to offend a lot of people, but it's not a nice one. <laughs> so that was the weekly whinge. Do you feel better having gotten it off your chest? Do you know what? I actually feel I've shifted a lot. Thank Good. you for holding so for me. <laughs> I feel so much better. I love this segment. <laughs> Okay, good. Um, so, look, a lot happened in January. I mean, it was it was actually fucking crazy. There was a lot going on um, yeah, I know. in terms of, like, the media and stuff. And there's just a few things that I thought would be good to touch on. Um, just because if we had been recording the middle, we would have had plenty to say about them. Yes. So I really want to start with the Harry and, and Meghan fiasco because I think there were so many interesting parts to that. 
And I love the Royals. Like, I really, really, really love the Royals. And mm. I know it's not the same, but I love the crown. So I feel like I know the Royals <laughs> a lot. Um, <laughs> but I was I, – I, I felt very um, torn in this argument. Of course I'm team Harry and Megs, like, for sure. But I could see a few sides to the traditions of the Royals. Mm. and them knowing what they were getting themselves into and all of that sort of stuff. So I just sort of wanted to open the discussion up a little bit. bit of background for people that don't know. I mean, have you been living under a rock? Do you not have a phone or a television? <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe not. But have Harry you been in Vipassana? <laughs> <laughs> but Harry and Meghan, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, uh, gave up their royal titles and um, decided to step back as senior members of the royal family, which means that they're no longer funded by the royal family and they've got to go out and earn their own coin, which is and pretty this, cool. <laughs> I think it's it's bloody epic. But yeah. does this mean, George, that they're literally, like they can't even stay in the home that they were given? Like it's all taken away? It's not that it's taken away. They chose, they chose yes. that they're going to uh, live in half in the UK, half in North America. Um, yeah, so Canada is, is where they are at the moment. And they just, like, buy their own home and stuff? Yeah. This yeah. is wild. This is actually such a 2020 vibe. It is. I mean, what's interesting is uh, the work that they will get. So they obviously want to stay with a lot of the charities that they're already a part of, and the Queen oh. has allowed that. Okay. Um, and, of course, they're still members of the royal family. They just don't have uh, – you, uh, your royal, his royal highness, and her royal highness. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so they've dropped that. They no longer get f- paid by the royal family, but the Prince of Wales, um, Charles, can still give them money, which he probably will for a little while. Wow. But what they're talking about is where the money's going to come from. So obviously now, which they couldn't do as royals, is they can actually get paid by brands and and represent brands. This is on another level of cool. And it's kind of like, who who are they going to represent? Imagine if you see, like, the next Uber Eats campaign. I know. Megs and Harry or, like, Nike's sign with Harry. Oh, my God, this is just, there's so many possibilities. It's just wild, isn't it? And, like, would Megs go back to... Acting. Acting? I mean, I don't think she would, but... It's just interesting to think about it, isn't it? Did they come out and actually explain what the catalyst was or is it all hearsay? Oh, no, no, no. It's been very, very public with lots of announcements. So this is the other crazy, very modern day thing that happened is that Prince Harry and Meghan announced it on Instagram through the Sussex Royal account before they'd even told the Queen. You're kidding. Because they knew that if they tried to come to a deal with her before they announced it publicly, it wouldn't have worked. They had to put it out there and then go to her so that she was able to navigate it in a way that didn't offend anybody. No wonder she's so off them. Yeah. I mean, she says she's pleased in quotation marks and they've found a constructive and supportive way forward. But I think that she's probably a little bit pissed about it because here's the thing about the royals, right? When you're born into that family, you are stuck in there. And that's what happened to her, right? So she yes. was she was forced to be queen because her uncle didn't want to be king. And so she had oh. to become queen. Yeah. 
So her dad died, her uncle was king, and then he renounced his title, and she had to step up. So from a really young age, she became queen. She was forced into it. Charles is in the same position, and and William is in exactly the same position. Harry has the freedom to go, you know what? I don't want this shit. But what that's doing is he's the first one that's done, like the first one of the modern royals that's done it, and it's setting a precedent. And that's a little bit what they're worried about because William's kids, when they grow up, might be able to go, you know what, I don't fucking want this. I'm out. I'm going to chuck an Uncle Harry. Yeah, exactly. The I'd other – oh, sorry. No, you go. I was just going to say I'd love to hear what our UK listeners have to say about this because it feels like like they're in it more than us. Although Australia is part of the monarchy, you're right? We're very in it. We're very, so very in, in it. it. Yeah. Wow. So I guess what's interesting about this has been the conversation around Meghan. And I'd love to know your thoughts on this, Holly, because as soon as she came in, uh, you know, when they announced their engagement, everyone was really excited. It was a Hollywood star that Harry was marrying. Everyone was really excited about the wedding. And then all of a sudden the paparazzi in particular started to turn on her and treated her very differently to the way that they treated Kate. Mm. A lot of people are coming out and saying that it's um, because she's black. A lot of people oh. are coming out and saying it's because she's opinionated and she's smart and intelligent and has a say. <laughs> um, a lot of people are saying she knew what she was getting herself into. They both did. So how yeah. dare they turn around and, and reject the the um, the family that took her in? You know, like there's a lot of different sides to this argument. I'd love to know where you sit with it all. I've always been a fan of Meg before even the her and Harry, you know, got together. Um, she's always been outspoken. And uh, there was a documentary that they did on her in the lead up to the royal wedding where I think she was 12 years old speaking at a podium in this at this massive human rights convention and she'd written a letter to the editor, that's right, of the way that they were positioning women in advertising. And I just think a woman of that level of intellect uh, and composure as well, I think she's been really composed uh, I think it's a very strong thing for her and Harry to do because they would be aware, Jord, that the backlash would be huge and the fact that they've they've clearly waited up and gone, no, this is, this is the choice we've made. I do feel like becoming a mother has been the catalyst for her and I think this is something that's been spoken about a lot as well. It's triggered something in Harry to go, this is what they did to my mom and I can't have this happen again. I think that that's, that's a kind of undertone there, here, right, is, mm. you know, the paparazzi turned against his mother and we know how that panned out and as if he's going to allow history to repeat itself. And, you know, like if we look at it, if we go back to the weekly whinge, what what those paparazzi are doing, it, it, I mean, it's, it's bullying in its most extreme and at the end of the day whether you're a Hollywood actor or you are a member of the royal family, you're still a human being. You're a person. You're a person. Yeah. And even if you knew what you were getting signed up for, it, it actually doesn't matter. It's like you could say that about anyone stepping into a job role and deciding they don't like their job title anymore and choosing to leave. Yeah, they knew what they get, were getting signed up for, but energetically, culturally, at an emotional level, it's just not working. And I think as a human, you're allowed 
in some cases to decide again and that's what they're doing they're actually putting themselves first and this is where society can get up in arms how dare they put themselves first they have responsibility and really their responsibility at the end of the day as a family union is to their child and to themselves so I'm all for it George I'm all for it too I'm really excited to see what happens and I just think like I said before, it's setting a new precedent that we haven't seen before. What else is crazy is that in 2019, Prince Andrew was messed up in the Jeffrey Epstein scandal. Yeah. And the royal family just kind of swept that under the rug like it was nothing. And this has become the scandal of the century. And so that really makes me see them in a light that I think the world needed to see them in. Such a PR spin, isn't it? Well, it's a PR spin, but it's also like where where are your priorities and why wasn't that made more of a big deal and, you know, why has he not been kicked out of the royal family? Absolutely. I'm with you on that as well, Jord. Mm. So more, more important than the royal family is the royal couple of the 2000s, uh, Brad and Jen Forever. Oh, my God. When you sent me that photo, Jord, I, I I squealed like I haven't squealed in years. <laughs> it was. I have to say, I would love to know how much that photo or those series of photos went for because of all the um, of all the poses or of all the moments to capture, that shot of her walking away and him grabbing her hand, I mean, not only did it send the internet into a meltdown, but I think it really hit us all, all on a really emotional level because it was that feeling of if you've ever been through a breakup, it's like I want you to want me and I want to be powerful enough to walk, to walk away while you're holding on. Yeah. And, and, and it, it just me, captured it. It gives me goosebumps as well because obviously we know how their marriage ended and everyone was like, oh, poor Jenny's left her for Angie and now she's like in the power seat and she looks hot AF. He does too, let's be real. And we both, Jordan and I were both like, they're definitely having sex and this is the best thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, you know, when you run into someone down at the grocery store and you look shit and like, you're like, oh, fuck, what are the odds that I run into them at this time where I've just taken a mask off and my face is all blotchy and my hair's all oily and, you know, I'm in my sweatpants. But Jen's like at the sags. She looks the best. Amazing. And she's like, oh, fancy seeing you here. And they both won awards that night. I mean. (laughs) Do you feel like they're going to get back together? No. No, neither do I. Jen wouldn't do that to herself. Do you know what? I used to be Team Angie. I'm so sorry for the longest time. Really? Mm. Just because you wanted to be different? Just because I wanted to be her. Yeah, okay. But, you know, the older that I get, the more I really resonate with Jen. (laughs) Yeah, and I think Jen has come really far this year. It's been a really big year for her. She's really come into her own, and I don't think she'd want to go back to that. Look, I love Brad. I love him so much, but he has a lot of issues, and he knows that. He's been very public about it. I think it's his natal chart, which we discovered in the last episode of last year. Did we? Yeah, remember? He was double Satch. Oh, that's right. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god that's so heckers heckers so, so heckers. not triple sag though Whew. so if you would if you could um pair jen with someone who would you Ooh. want her to be with do you think do you know who came to mind straight away so weird owen wilson oh is it because they were in marley and me together well 
maybe, maybe. But I just feel like someone cheeky, funny, mm. she's got to be hotter than them, you know? Mm. So she's got the power. Okay. Physically hotter. Like, I'm sure he has a hot personality. But someone, yeah, someone funny like that. I don't know. What do you think? Where's Owen Wilson been? I haven't seen him in a while. Where has he been? Who is his brother? Uh, Luke Wilson. That's right. They're both so good looking. I know Owen Wilson was battling depression for a while. He was. Yeah. Um, who would I pair her with? Um... Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually know. Maybe someone not famous. I think that's what <gasps> she needs. What occupation? Like, I don't know, like maybe in the entertainment industry, but like not on screen. So maybe like a writer or a director or a producer or, you know. I was going to say a cameraman and then I was thinking, has there, I wonder if there's ever been like an actress, a leading lady, a beautiful like starlet that's fallen in love with like the guy who sweeps the floors on set or something. I reckon there'd have to be. I mean, there's been many a male actor that's fallen in love with the makeup artist. Oh, I love that. Well, that's Andrew G and his wife. She was the makeup artist. Really? I mean, Osha. I mean, Osha. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I also think I might be making this up, so I should totally fact check it. But I think Matt Damon married a makeup artist as well. Well, you should know he's your neighbour. He lives in Byron Bay now. I know. I'll ask him next time I see him. Do you see him? No, I've never seen him. But, like, for the first time that I see him. I I can't wait for you to ask him. (laughs) I don't even see the Hemsworths. I saw them that one time and then I've never seen them again. Mm, they're like a unicorn, aren't they? So, Jord, on a more serious note, we did mention in the intro that, uh, I mean, we can't even avoid the conversation around the Australian bushfires mm. and your family was really caught up in that. How did you find, as you said, spending time in Byron Bay and the fire shifting there, but your dad's farm was right in the thick of things? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to make it about me at all because there were people going through a lot of really, really serious stuff. I I think what I found quite hard was that um, they were in – they were safe, like the fires weren't on top of them, but they they were under threat if winds changed to block off roads for them to get out. And so um, they had to evacuate the all the animals, like all the horses on the farm and stuff, just because if they'd left it to the last minute, it would have been really hard. I think the hardest thing for me was just not being able to do anything and not being able to help. And it was right over the Christmas period. Yeah. But uh, what I found really hard was just watching it all play out on social media. It was so consuming Mm -hmm. and I I actually couldn't turn the TV on and I had to delete Instagram for a little while because it it was like you reached this threshold of guilt and... Um, distress and sadness and am I not doing enough? Am I not um, expressing enough? Am I not donating enough? Am I not showing up enough? Am I? Do I not have enough of a voice? Do I need to be more active? You know, it was all of this and it was so overwhelming that when you reach that cap, there was nowhere to go. Yeah. And so I almost had to just step back from it from a little while and I know that there was a lot of people out there that didn't know anyone personally and felt like they weren't allowed to 
have a feeling about it. But yes. the, the fact was our, our country was on, or is, it's still on fire. Our country is on fire. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I can resonate so much with the collective of emotions you just described. And underneath it all for me was this feeling of helplessness. Mm. It was, I, I've donated, I've, you know, done all I feel I can. Now what? It's like there are still animals and people suffering. And I think, and I know our listeners, we have a lot of energetically sensitive people. And what I kept coming back to is the best thing that we can do to be able to give and to hold space for the people who are being affected is actually to look after ourselves. And it feels like the most, like the last thing that you would think to do in a time like this. But you inspired me, Joe, to take some time away from social as well and to just kind of really care for our energy. And I think that that was really important at that time. I think so too, especially because, you know, like when you look at the reality of it, we do all need to step up. And in order to step up and do our bit on an individual level and then on a local community level and then on a regional level and then on a national level and then on a global level, we need to start by conserving our own energy. Otherwise, we're not going to create any ripple of change whatsoever. It will actually be the opposite effect and we'll all just be burned out, worried, anxious and fearful. And that concentrated energy, we know the energy works. It will just continue to ripple. And I guess everyone processes stuff differently. Like the reason I came off social is I found there are a lot of accounts and each to their own, absolutely. But a lot of the uh, a lot of the people were processing it by giving you know updates every five minutes of different news articles they'd found, and you know different memes they'd found, and different photos they'd found, and you know. And I just found that so overwhelming. It was just too much. It's like I know what's going on. Yes. I know who to donate to. I've done what I can. Please just give me some space. So, you know, I had to take the space myself. (laughs) No, I honestly felt the same, Jod. Like you said, it's like, okay, we're all very aware of the situation now. Everyone almost became their own broadcaster. We're all aware of the situation now. We all know where to donate. And let's just have some some breathing room so that we can also think clear head, like from a clear headed perspective. Mm. But I mean, wasn't it amazing to watch the way some people became uh, activists, like Celeste Barber, for instance. She was just on another level of cool. And I think that that's a really cool example of influential people who you would never pick her in a lineup to be the one to raise. How much was it in the end? I think it was 51 million in the end. $51 million and yet there she was and her account is all about like parodying, is that the word? Parodying celebrities? I don't think you can, no, I don't think it, I don't think you can parodying. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So, like, someone like that with such substance and such influence, it was really powerful to witness. Mm. Yeah, what I found interesting about that is because, yeah, what she did was so amazing and then still the trolls turned on her and people were like, where's the money going? This is all going to New South Wales. What about Victoria? What about South Australia? Totally valid things to say. But it's like, well, hang on a second. This woman thought she was going to raise maybe 30 grand like that was her target that was her first target (laughs) yeah and you know she was just doing her best to help and she's come on and she said I'm going to try and redistribute the money as I can and then other people are saying oh well that's not how charity works if people are donating to a certain cause you've got to give it to that cause and blah 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 and I just thought isn't that so interesting like at a time where this woman has stood up and done 
had only good intentions and everything's about the intention you put behind it, still people have found a way to make it a bad thing. That's what scared me, Jordan. That's why I disappeared from social for two weeks because it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm. It's that no good deed goes unpunished. And I was so like, should I be posting about this? What should I say about this? Like should, 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 as opposed to what actually feels an integrity for me right now, if anything. And sometimes in those moments, silence is the best thing. It's so interesting, isn't it? I I had a lot of friends who were, and I I was one of them actually, who was um, trying to sell a course and sell business during that time. And it was very tricky. I had a week left of the Make It Happen 2020 cart for the first round and I just had to be silent. I just couldn't say anything. I just couldn't. So I did everything in the back end, like through newsletters, but when it came to socials, I just had to go dead quiet. It felt like the right thing to do, but then there comes a point where we can't stay quiet forever because we need to keep the business running. You know? Well, how, how can we support and, and donate and give our time if we're not making money? We're going to and support that, the economy, right? Yeah, it, it is. It was such an interesting dynamic that we'd never really sat in before. Mm. So navigating that space. But what's, what is interesting about this, Geordie, is from an astrological perspective, and I'd love to ask you about you know Capricorn and Aquarius, mm. but I know you had a chat with Jules Ferrari, our favorite uh, our favorite astrologer of the middle podcast and she kind of said that 2020 is going to be all about this right yeah. like like all of this catalyst in climate and politics and and that kind of stepped into 2020 and bang straight away absolutely it was um so we started 2020 with the saturn and pluto conjunction um, and Capricorn energy, which is very much about like the social sphere and like what's going on in the external world. Um, and we had that massive Capricorn eclipse and then we had the Cancer lunar eclipse and Cancer is very much about home and the internal. So it was this battle between internal and external that we experienced late December, early January. And that's really what was going on with those fires. It was like what's going on on the home front is our homes are burning down and our our country is burning and what's going on in a social and a global front is that our government are failing us yeah um and the only way to make changes in both of those areas are for people to get fired up about it and that's what pluto was doing so yeah it was really interesting to see that all play out and it's going to continue to play out talk to me about the shift between capricorn energy which i found really challenging into now aquarius season which we'll be riding until is it like about mid-feb uh, yeah, the 18th. Um, uh, well, I mean, I guess it's just like any shift in energy. We went from we went from earth earth energy into air energy. So, like, I'm feeling much better in Aquarius season, but Aquarius season's been very much about swift and sudden change. But it's also about evolution and and making a social change that that counts so again it's time for all of us to step up on an individual level and like if people are wondering I mean I don't know this wasn't the plan but like if people are wondering what they can do to really make like big impact changes on an individual level like to cut carbon emissions and like really do their part for climate change there's lots of really really simple things that you can do do you want to want me to run through some of them yeah please George what have you got Okay, well, like it's simple things this year. And I'm talking like not to fix the fires right now. I'm just talking about like in your day-to-day life over 2020 if you want to start making some significant changes. Things like 
think about how you travel and I'm talking in the car, I'm talking about on the train and I'm talking about flying in aeroplanes. So, you know, all of those big modes of modern transport um, are creating huge amounts of greenhouse emissions, right? So, you know, think about walking some more, think about riding Mm. your bike to work, think about how much air travel you do. So if you're a big traveler, maybe cutting down to one overseas um, trip a year. Flight a year. And seeing how you can offset the carbon by either planting a tree or, you know, donating to some sort of carbon offset company or whatever it might that. be, you know. I love that. Um, eat less meat, you know. Animals and, and the agriculture of animals creates a lot of methane in the in the mm-hmm. um, atmosphere. I'm like, in the I universe, like, <laughs> in the environment. Um, so, you know, we don't have to become vegans, but just, just eat less meat, like predominantly plant-based, having little bits of, um, you know, organic or grass-fed meats where you can and really knowing where your food's coming from. Eat seasonally, like mm-hmm. eat what is growing in the earth at that time of year. Mm-hmm. All of those things make a big difference because you also have to think where your food is coming from. So every time you eat a packet of Oreos, the Oreos had to travel in an aeroplane from the US. So true, George. I didn't even think of it like that. Yeah, so it's not you always hopping on a plane. It's like where is your food coming from? Yeah. And if we can buy it in the region that we live, it hasn't travelled far at all. Shop local. And and then, especially in Australia, you're supporting our farmers who really need it now. Absolutely. And that's that's the other thing. Like, think about putting your money back into um, the regions that have been affected by the fires. So there's Absolutely. some great initiatives out there about that. Yeah, I love them. They're really good tips, Jordan. Thank you for sharing. Oh, I haven't finished. Oh, my God. Um, avoid single-use plastics. Yes. Yes. So, you know, simple things like using your keep cup, using metal straws, you know, glass Tupperware, um, avoid purchasing anything, you know, wrapped in or made from single-use plastics. So these are plastics that aren't recyclable. Recyclable. I'm um, starting to shop in those bulk food shops more, Jord. They're so great, like sauce and naked foods. They're really good and they're everywhere now. They're everywhere. And, you know, um, the good thing about those, yeah, is that you, if you buy them in the store – you it's it's wrapped in plastic i mean it's always wrapped in plastic right but you can take your own jar into those stores or they've got the paper bags making sure you recycle the paper bags but yeah it's great great and then the other thing to think about which is really simple is just how much stuff you're buying that's going into landfill so you know can you reuse can you recycle can you reduce the amount of stuff that you're buying such it, it sounds like the most simple things but it is those ripple effects that create such powerful change even when you go down to the beach just grabbing I know it's like take three for the sea maybe take more than three just cleaning up after other people as well it's it's just those little pieces that create ripples and people will see you do something like that and they'll catch on and do the same yeah and here's the thing like I, I'm not going to get political at all because I'm just not that kind of gal but the government isn't going to change anytime soon. It's just not. I mean, no. I want to hope that it is, but it's just not. So until that happens, we need to stop whinging about that and just start doing our own little pieces, you know, and doing yeah. what we can as individuals. And if everyone does what they can as individuals, then eventually, energetically, vibrationally, it's going to change the vibrational standard around this kind of work. 
It's power to the people. Totally. Such Aquarius energy right now. Yeah, it is, right? But that's <laughs> it. it. Like you really need to get worked up under this Aquarius energy. That's what's so good about it. I love it. I love it. This is exciting, Jord. I think that 2020 has some big shifts in store for us all at a micro level and at a macro level. Some Absolutely. powerful changes coming. Beautiful. Yes. Jord, are you ready for the second best segment of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> After the weekly winch. Of I am. I am. Guess that celebrity natal chart. Jod, do you want to hear who you're guessing today? I absolutely want to hear who I'm guessing today. Okay, so he's an actor. He's an actor I know you love. Hugh Grant. Oh, my God. I love Hugh Grant. <laughs> I'm so excited for you to guess this chart. So it's not my record this week, but I did go and see The Gentleman, and I loved it so much. And Hugh Grant, honestly, is the standout performance of this movie. So if you haven't gone to see it, please go and see it and you will love Hugh Grant as much as I do. Before you guess his natal chart, have I told you the story about Leah meeting Hugh Grant? No. Are you ready for this? Yes. Leah was a nanny. Leah's Holly's best friend for everyone that doesn't know. She's also a Gemini, but she's got a Scorpio moon, but we forgive her (laughs) because of her Taurus rising. Uh, She was a nanny in Chelsea. She lived on the same street as him. He would go to the same bakery on their street every day. One day she went out with her little child. She was nannying in a pram, saw him coming back from the bakery on the opposite side of the road, quickly maneuvered down the footpath over to the opposite side of the road so that she almost ran into him. And he went, ooh, pardon me, and (gasps) stepped to the side for her to cross past. Oh, I love that. He's just so funny. I love him so much. So on that note, okay. guess that celebrity natal chart. Okay, so <laughs> Okay, so intuitively I'm getting two things coming through already, mm. but I don't know where they fit. Okay, talk to me. Okay, so the first thing that's coming through Okay, don't say yes or no yet. I just want to talk okay. this out. Okay. The first thing that's coming to me is Gemini because I I just think he's so witty. Mm-hmm. When I've seen him interviewed, he's super witty. But at the same time, I'm getting, like, really strong Virgo vibes because mm-hmm. he's just a bit, like, I, I love Virgos, but he's just a bit anal, you know? He's a bit pedantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better word. Better <laughs> 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 word. <laughs> um, oh, I'm not getting any fire in him. And I'm, I don't think I'm getting water. Can I rule out water? You can rule out water. Okay. And can I rule out fire? You can rule out fire. Okay. Okay. So are there any Gemini placements? No. Okay. Interesting. Well, what's an MC? So the MC is also called the Midheaven. Um, it's, it traditionally indicates career status, aim in life, aspirations, public reputation, and our life goal. That's Gemini. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, uh, is there any Virgo? Yes. Okay. I'm going to say his rising is Virgo. 
Yes. Yes. Yay. Okay. Um, is he, is he triple earth? Yes. Yeah. You are so good. I think, okay, I just need to talk this out. Okay, so he's triple earth and he's Virgo rising, but I don't feel any Capricorn in him, which means he's either, oh wait, is that right? That's right. Okay, which means he's either double Taurus or double Virgo. And I don't think he's double Taurus. So I think he's double Virgo. I think he's Virgo moon. No. Oh. Virgo sun? Yes. With a Taurus moon. Correct. What? That's who grants natal chart. Can you believe it? That is crazy. Taurus moon Virgo sun, Virgo rising. What? He would be a punish, oh but my God. very good at sex. But why is he so funny? And it also says in his natal chart, the three most important signs according to criteria mentioned above, whatever, were Virgo, Gemini, and Sagittarius. Ah. So he does clearly have some Gemini placements and some Saggy ones as well. It's just not showing me which ones. His Mercury's in Virgo as well. Get out. Yeah, his Venus is in Libra. Oh, my gosh, this is wild. Mars is in Gemini. That is so cool. I know. There you go, guys. Hugh Grant. Guess wow. that's living in natal chat. You did so well. Thanks. I love, um, I love him. So I feel like I just can connect to his Virgo-ness. Yeah, you really can. Did you see that Robert Pattinson, one of our listeners, commented Robert Pattinson is Pattinson? Patterson. Patterson. That one is triple Taurus. Yeah, that would be so gross. That would be a lot. Well, it'd just be, like, really hard to get him to do anything. He would love to just veg out in bed all day. And eat. And eat and then maybe have some sex and then eat and then maybe have some sex and that's it. I think you'd be lucky to get him to have some sex, to be honest with you. You reckon? Yeah, triple Taurus. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Trenny. (laughs) He's only one Taurus. Trenny's more Pisces and then Taurian. Also, sorry, Trenny. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. oh. <laughs> I need to stop with the hand gestures. Did you spill it? It's everywhere. It's fine. Oh. I'm going to mop it up with this. What is your reco, first reco back of 2020? Well, I did a lot of television watching. Sorry, guys. But I really, I know, I really need to make mention to this because I loved it so much and I think it's really going to resonate with middle listeners. I watched it the second it dropped on Netflix. I had a reminder. Netflix sent me an email. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The Goop Lab. Ooh, tell me everything. It was so good. I think it's five episodes. Could be more. It's not many. But basically, Gwenny has set up a panel of goopers, so people that work at the goop office, and they're basically going out and trying different, like, experiments and reporting back on them. But it's just produced really well. It got really bad write-ups on the internet. I'm not sure why, because I think it's brilliant. And I don't think that anything that they did was, like, way out there. She did, like, um, she spoke to Wim Hof, you know, the Iceman. Yeah. Yeah, and he is fascinating. Have you ever seen a story on him before? I've heard so much about him, but I haven't. I'm excited to watch that. I'd love to go and do it with you, Hull. Like, I'd love to go and do a Wim Hof retreat. 
and like let's do one because it's breath work and then yeah. sitting in ice baths. Fuck. Well, yeah. okay, I'm down. Let's. But do it's it. all mental, so it's like all in your head. We could well, do everything's it. all in my head all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make it stop. <laughs> Why would it stop? But we could do it. Um, okay. And then there's like a guy that does energy work. Um, there was one, this old woman, she was so great. She would have been in her 70s, I reckon, maybe even 80s, teaching women how to orgasm. She's been doing it since the 70s. Oh, my God. And that was quite full on. Like there was a lot of vagina full shot on the screen. Okay. But that's cool. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Open to it. Um, then they did like they tested out fasting and like all these different things. But it was just I loved it. I loved it. I think it was produced really well. Gwyneth Paltrow is so freaking beautiful. And whoever styled the team did so well. Like their outfits were all amazing. It matched the decor of the office. <laughs> and I just loved every second of it. It was so big in interview. Um, do you know what I think about Goop and Gwenny? I lo- I love everything about them her, it, everything. Uh, I just think people love to hate her because most people think that what she teaches and what she talks about is so ridiculously out there. But because we're in that space it, and it's all just kind of commonplace for us, yeah. we don't bat an eyelid, but for a lot of people, especially in, I'm assuming, like middle America, mm. it would be like she's a total crazy person. Totally. we got a long way to go. Yeah, we do. We get so caught up in these little bubbles of ours. Like yeah. I get so surprised when I see someone with a takeaway coffee cup. It was so funny actually. Um, in the holiday period, I was at my local coffee shop here and this guy came in and he was a tourist, which is fine. Tourists come to Byron Bay, that's what they do. And he came in with his family of like eight mm-hmm. and he went up to – the girls at the coffee machine and he ordered eight large lattes and she said, oh, are you having here or taking away? And he said, oh, we're having here, but can we have them in takeaway cups? And the entire cafe just, like, turned their heads and looked at him. (laughs) Poor guy. I I felt sorry for him, but I was just... And you know what? The thing is, he would have no idea. Like, he would just be ignorant to the fact that that is not what we do. Like that is so yes. damaging to the environment, you know. Yes. That he just doesn't know. It's not like he's doing it on purpose. And this is the thing, isn't it? It's where it's like you don't shame him because then that, that energy around that isn't very helpful for him or anyone else. But it's like how how do you educate? And that's it's what we continue to do is just show up, be the example, and people learn along the way. And that's what I guess Goop Lab is doing as well. It's it's getting these topics into an audience that would otherwise probably have judged or turned a blind eye. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I think Gwenny loves when she's in the media and being slammed because it's good publicity. Like, oh, my whatever. gosh. She obviously realised when she released a candle that says this smells like my vagina yeah. that people were going to go nuts for it. I and mean, what? <laughs> guess what? I'm pretty sure the candle sold out. Genius move. It did. So good. Um, what's your reco? Well, Jod, it's very much not like me, but I've been going to the movies lately. Yeah. And I went and saw Bombshell. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing it tonight. I'm not going to give anything away. Please don't. I'm just going to say that it is a must see. Mm. It was fantastic. I walked into that cinema not knowing anything about it. <laughs> I had no idea that it was a biograph- biographical film. I had no idea that it was based on the harassment that so many women experience when working at Fox. There's 
as recently as 2016, George. Yeah, and they're real women. I mean, they're not because they're Nicole Kidman and Charlize Theron, but they were based on real women. They were based on real women. They were based on a real court case. They were based on a real – well, they were set out to expose the CEO, Roger Ailes, and they couldn't release the film until he passed away. So Mm. it's, it's all based on real story, real life. Legally, they couldn't? Uh, well, I mean, according to Wikipedia, the project was first announced following his death. So I'm assuming there'd be something legal in that. Interesting. I think that the leading actresses, so Margot Robbie, Nicole Kidman, Charlize Theron, they were all absolutely brilliant. There's no surprises that Charlize and Margot have been nominated for all of the awards mm. based on their performances. I'm not usually the biggest Nicole Kidman fan, except for Moulin Rouge, obvi. Um, she was fantastic. So what about... What about in Big Little Lies? I haven't seen that. I've only <gasps> read the book. Oh, she was so watch. good in that. Well, she was phenomenal in this movie. Uh, it was, to be honest, it, it did feel quite um, confronting in a lot mm. of scenes. So I would say do some kind of energy protection before you step in or I had some neurocalm in my bag and I took it halfway through because oh interesting it, it actually did rattle me jawed I didn't expect it would uh but it, it was just a little bit triggering in some scenes okay I for, might take some, some neurocalm before I go out tonight that's, that, <laughs> that's my record of the record just have some kind of like you know easy aid or some kind of breathe easy essential oil in your bag when you see that movie just yeah, to calm down a little bit yeah I actually saw quite a few movies um over the break which was just so nice. Like I'm so addicted to going to the cinema now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You you sparked that in me yeah. last year. It's so watching. good. It's a cheap form of entertainment too. I mean, not cheap, but it's like, you know, relatively cheap. I saw Little Women. Little Women is amazing. It's God, so it. good. It, I love Greta Gerwig. Like she's just a brilliant director and an amazing writer. And it was just a really good spin on Little Women. I mean, it, it's obviously the story, but yeah. they've sort of added stuff and – the actors were amazing and I just loved it. Yes. Um, and then The Gentleman, which I mentioned before with Hugh Grant, yes. is just brilliant. It's the kind of movie you could stop watching and then sit down and watch it again. Really? Yeah. That's going to be the next movie I see. I'll see that with Trenny and then I'll see Little Women with my mum because I loved mm. that story growing and up. And you saw 1917, didn't you? It was fantastic, George. It was, uh, I cried a lot at the end and it kind of spiralled me. You know, movies that you watch because you want to cry, that's when you would watch this movie, but it is brilliantly done. Uh, it was fantastic. It was really, really good. What's it will, about? It's, it's a true story. There's all these like bio, biographical movies coming out. It's a true story um, based on World War one. Oh no! Yeah, one. World War One. <laughs> <laughs> like shit, guys. Based on World War One, and these two um, men were given a task, and they had twelve hours to complete this task. And it's just their journey. It's very much a, a journey of the two trying to complete this task during World War One. It's it's full on, and you are in fight and flight mode the entire time. It's intense. Um. What I will say, if you're Sydney-based and you're looking for a beautiful movie experience, both times I've gone to the movies, I've gone to the Orpheum in... Oh, I love the Orpheum. Oh. In Cremorne. In Cremorne. You are stepping back into the early 1900s. (laughs) Do you know that I saw Moulin Rouge for the first time at the Orpheum? That would have been the most beautiful experience. It was. 
If you haven't been to the Orpheum, guys, and you are based in Sydney, please get out of your comfort zones, go and watch a movie there. It is just the most beautiful experience. And maybe cross your fingers, like go to a, a prime time, like maybe a Friday evening, because in the main cinema, the Orpheum one, they have an organ player who plays old school organ during the, the trailers and then disappears under the stage. It's the coolest thing. It's so cool. It's so, so cool. I love it. Um, yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> sure. Yeah. We're back. We're back, baby. We're back in a big way. I know. So what are you looking forward to this year with The Middle? I'm looking forward to our live events and I'm looking forward to our program. I'm looking forward to what, yes, the podcast and all of the chats that we have and we just have the best time talking together, but, but it just feels like The Middle is so much more than what it was last year and I'm excited to see it come to life in all of its new iterations. Me too. I, and it's funny, like, it was really nice to have a break, just just to have a bit of a breather, but I really missed it. Like, I missed the conversations. I mean, we were talking anyway, obviously, but I missed the Facebook group and I missed conversing with listeners and all of that. I agree. Do you know what I also missed? Like, the middle gave me the chance on a Monday morning to put my headphones in and go for a walk along the beach. I stopped doing that when we stopped recording, George. Mm. So it's time to, like, ramp you, it up. You know there's other podcasts, though. Yeah, no, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> no, the only other podcast I listen to is Luna Lover, and I'm not even just saying that because I want you to love me. <laughs> Well, that's like a 10-minute walk, Holly. I was going to say that, that I don't I don't walk. I just put that on when I'm washing the dishes. <laughs> that's my dish track. That's my dish track. <laughs> that is my dish track. You've been listening to The Middle with your host, Holly Party and Jordana Levine. Follow us on Instagram at the underscore middle underscore podcast. Uh, find us on Facebook. We've got a really engaged, fun Facebook group. Just search The Middle Podcast Show. And if you want to join our newsletter, there's a few different ways you can do it. You can follow the link in our Instagram bio. You can search the newsletter in our Facebook group. Or you can click the link in the show notes of this episode. You were so good at that. Thanks. I didn't even read anything. I just said it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 